keeping a home, opening a successful business. People, are you ready? Meet your personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Lee. Get ready for Leave on the Loose, who will help you get started in building your real estate empire. Grow your self-confidence, find your grit, and get the skills needed to dominate the real estate world. You're a player. This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lee. Welcome to the Liebcast. This is Lauren and Andrew Lieb. Wow. I was reading the Newsday this past Thursday. And my friend Maura McDermott wrote an article, and I, I got to tell you, I'm overwhelmed. I didn't even think the statistics were like this. She says nearly 1 in 10 Long Island homeowners have fallen behind on their mortgages. That's what Maura is telling us. She's telling us 60,000, I want to repeat that number, 60,000 Long Island homeowners missed at least one mortgage payment by July. That's three times the amount of last year. Wow, the foreclosure tsunami is coming. It certainly is, Lauren. There's going to be a foreclosure tsunami. We hear about forbearances, and what a forbearance means is that the lender agrees not to take action and gives you reduced payments or no payments for a period of time. And in the CARES Act and some other laws in New York State executive orders, there were required forbearances. And what I hear that saying is we're just pushing back the inevitable. I keep reading my friends on Facebook and they're saying, hey, we're going to get a coronavirus solution. We're going to get a vaccine right before or right after the election. And they make this a very political thing. They go, they go oh yeah, the reason why it's taking so long is because of the election. That's They think that this is all a, a thing. But I want to tell you, I wonder about this foreclosure issue, about how we have this forbearance moratorium, because what does a forbearance moratorium mean? It's just pushing off the inevitable. I guess it's giving people some time, Lauren, to rebound and get their mortgage and their finances back. And yes, jobs are being added back quickly these days, although we are headed into the fall. And in the fall, when you combine flu with the pandemic we're experiencing already, I'm imagining that we might have more businesses shut down. And when I say shut down, I'm not sure that we're talking about another stay-at-home order. I'm just saying that there's going to be more outbreaks and more problems because right now everyone's got outdoor air. And this week we just experienced schools. And I got to tell you, the second part of today's show in the second segment, we're doing two different segments again, based on that advice I told you about last week, two 24 minute segments. And in the second segment, we're going to talk about that school thing. I want everyone to stay tuned for that school thing because whew, you got the schools opening up across Long Island this week. Just happened. Before they even opened up, three of them shut down. Well, I'm going to get to that in the second hour. I want to go back to what I'm saying right here, though. So we have this foreclosure situation, and more is saying one in 10 homeowners in Long Island are in default. That's what she's saying in this Newsday piece that she put together. It's called Mortgage Protections Expire Soon. And distressed homeowners need to be ready. And what does that mean? It means that I'm saying to you that people are saying, well, hey, this coronavirus vaccine, I, I think and they always wink at me. I'm, I'm talking to people. They always like, like I'm in on their conspiracy that somehow the vaccine is being uh, dictated, the timeline of the vaccine based on the elections. But here's what I'm saying. If Biden wins, if Trump wins, 
whoever the next president is, whether it's Trump continuing or Biden, we're going to have a major financial crisis in this country because we're going from this moratorium, this forbearance where people have reduced or no payment to pay the piper. And there's going to be a moment when you pay the piper. And I got to tell you, these lenders, I represent them. These lenders aren't happy right now because they're not getting paid and their whole numbers are dependent on getting payments on the mortgages. So as soon as the moratoriums are over, there's one in 10 Long Island homeowners who are in default. I'm seeing like on your block, every every one in 10 houses are going to be foreclosed upon. Yeah. And then if they're all foreclosed upon, then the inventory is just going to go, they're going to try to sell it and they're going to try to keep whatever equity they have in their house. And they're going to try to get rid of it as fast as possible. Well, let's break down what you're saying. So when you're using the word equity, just so everyone knows, what she's saying is how much money you own in the house. So let's say we have a house that's $400,000. That doesn't mean you have $400,000 in assets. That's just what the house would trade at. You also have what's called your mortgage. And your mortgage is what you owe the money on. So if you have a $300,000 mortgage, you would have $100,000 in equity. You take the fair market value, you subtract your first, your second, your home equity line of credit, your HELOC, and you subtract that, your mortgages from that and you get your equity number. And what Lauren's suggesting is if people are not underwater, what does underwater mean? It means that when their house is upside down, upside down would mean that they have a $400,000 mortgage and only a $300,000 fair market value. Lauren's saying, I think this is what Lauren's saying. Lauren could probably speak for herself. So I'll ask Lauren. So Lauren, what you're saying is that if people have equity, they have this $100,000 in equity, you're saying that's going to cause them to sell. I think a lot of people are going to want out because they're going to not want to face this grand litigation that they could face for a very long time. I also think that right now there's very little inventory on the market for buyers. And right now the prices are going up dramatically, you know, anywhere upwards of 5%, 10%, some areas 15 to 20%. And buyers are paying way over market value because there's just not a lot of houses for sale. But when this foreclosure moratorium is finished and those one out of 10 homes are about to get foreclosed on, we're going to see some people trying to do a quick sale to get out of this situation. And we're going to see the inventory is going to go sky high and then the the prices are going to go down. That's very interesting. So what you're saying is we're going to have a flood of inventory because right now when you do basic economics, you have supply and demand in basic economics. When there's minimal supply and there's a lot of demand, that's a seller's market. The prices go up. But when you're saying is that there's lots of sellers and there's not any more buyers, then the prices are going to go down because there's going to be more sellers hoping that less buyers come and get them. But on top of that, and here's another thing, this is something I'm considering. When you see the house on the block, you go, you're a home buyer. Let's just be a home buyer. You're driving in your car, you're with the real estate broker, you're driving in your car. Maybe you're in their car. I would say you should have your own car with coronavirus, but maybe in their car. You drive in your car and you see a house that's boarded up. I don't think that makes you so saying, wow, this is the community I really want to spend extra money on. I think the prices go down just from a perception. I was talking to a friend of mine at the beach this past weekend, and he was telling me that he was talk- he's a finance guy. I like finance people. I was talking to this finance guy. And he was telling me that a lot of companies don't trade based on their price per earnings. Like It's not based on their earnings. There's no correlation, he's saying, because what happens is investors today, unlike he said in his era, he's a, a little older than me, he goes to me, unlike in his era, investors today say, this is already a dominant market player. 
and they're going to dominate in these other segments. And even though their earnings don't justify their stock price, he said to me, the perception of how awesome they are creates a a manufactured stock price. He was talking about Amazon, for an example. He was saying, hey, these stocks really, they're dominating the world. And I think similarly, perception plays into the market valuation when we're talking about housing. And it could work in the inverse. Like if you walk in, if you drive into a community, like we have a house out east, and I remember when they paved the roads. Oh, yeah. Love a freshly paved road. Yeah, you're going to go buy a house and people drive into a paved road. There's just this feeling like they take care of this place. It's nicer. And the homeowner probably has very little to do with that paved road. You see what I'm saying? But you get this energy. And I think the inverse is true in a foreclosure world, Lauren, where you drive through, because let's assume it's not boarded up. Let's assume that it's just in foreclosure. Let's just go with that. A homeowner that's thinking to themselves, and I represent these people. I do foreclosure defense and foreclosure plaintiff work. So I could tell you this is true. A homeowner that's saying, I'm in danger of losing their house, isn't going to go spend lots of money to improve the house. No, they're not going to spend a penny on improving their house. Because they're like, what's the point of putting good money after bad money? So what you find is that their landscaping isn't as good. You find that their roof isn't as clean. The gutters are leaking. You find that the paint is chipping. What you find is a homeowner that's a distressed homeowner, whether they can or they can't afford it, and that's a story for another day. Maybe they can afford it and they're just not choosing to allocate their resources to paying their mortgage, which is an issue I have overall. What I mean by that? I mean that some people say, hey, listen, I can't make my bills. The mortgage is the one that's going to go. I always say that my housing, well, first is health, second is food, third is housing. Those are my order of priority when I'm paying my bills. But some people think Disneyland drumps those things, and that's for them. And I'm not going to get into judging other people because I always say you got to live in someone else's shoes before you judge who they are. It's just not for me. really might need that Mickey Mouse experience to get through the day. Well, I'm really a goofy guy. I got (laughs) to tell you, I like Goofy a lot more. He's my man. And Pluto is pretty cool, but uh, maybe we'll go back to Disney. And they're having a weird experience over there these days. I was reading some articles. You can't, with the pictures with the characters now because of coronavirus. But anyway, back to foreclosure. So you were saying before, and I want to loop back on something interesting you said that I think people are missing, is you said that someone who is having equity, remember we were discussing equity, and you said if they have equity, they're going to want to sell their house quickly. Why are they going to want to sell their house quickly? You said because you don't want them to eat the equity. Isn't that what you were saying? Oh, yeah. And so what people don't realize is the amount that you took out on your loan isn't what you owe when you're in default. What do I mean by that? Once you take out a loan, you owe your monthly payments, right? Yeah, that's true. You owe your monthly payments. But when you stop making your monthly payments, you're in default. That's very similar to a credit card. Have you noticed that credit cards, they they give you a thing, 0% interest for six months. You ever see this? Yeah, and then you owe, you know. But you have to pay your minimum payments. You got to make your minimum payments. But when you don't make your minimum payments, this is the key, there's penalty interest. And you got to read the penalty interest on your loan because if you don't know the penalty interest on your loan, and you might have heard of this term called usury. Usury means the maximum rate of interest for an individual at 16%, for a company it's 25%, criminal usury is over 25%. Anyway, the key though is that these interest rate caps on usury law do not apply when you're in default. Because when you're in default, that's not interest. It's not like borrowing and I'll give you money and I'm interesting it. That's instead saying you made an agreement, you had a contract, and now you're breaching the contract. So while we do litigate usually in foreclosure, I want you to know we were making a list because we're redoing our website for this foreclosure. Tsunami is coming. We're getting prepared for it. 
We made a list of the types of issues we've litigated in foreclosure. I thought this was interesting. Over the last decade plus in foreclosure, we litigated what's called bad faith hearings in foreclosure settlement conferences. What does that mean? It means that there's rules in what's called CPLR 3408. You don't need to know that. And there's rules that say how a lender needs to try and negotiate with you to make out a workout. What is a workout? A workout is saying, hey, maybe you want a modification. A lot of lenders say that a modification can't be more than 33% to like 37% of your interest, but maybe we'll make a modification. We'll reduce your mortgage payments and what's called the standard waterfall. We'll extend your loan term up to 40 years. We'll balloon or back end the missed payments. We can do all these things for you because we want you to stay and we want you to be paying. And even if it's less money today, it will be the same amount at then. So anyway, there's this thing that it's called a foreclosure settlement conference. And if the lender's just jerking you around and they're doing this just to, because what did I tell you a second ago, there's this penalty interest rate and they're getting attorney's fees the whole time because your law, your loan says that the defaulting party has to pay the lender, which is known as the mortgagee. The mortgagor is the borrower. The mortgagee is the lender. They have to pay the mortgagee's attorney's fees. So they're getting attorney's fees. They're getting penalties. They're getting their standard interest rate. And so a lot of times these lenders, or just they're sloppy, they don't actually engage in good faith in these settlement conferences. And there's something called a bad faith hearing where you can do an application, you could litigate, and through this litigation, you can get attorney's fees other way, you can get interest stricken, you can get all sorts of, so we've litigated that. We've litigated this thing called standing. What does standing mean? Is the person suing you even the right person to sue on the loan in the first place? What do I mean by that? Well, if you don't know, he who gives you the loan origination generally isn't the company that still maintains your loan in the future. They transfer it. They assign it. They give it to all different people because it's a commodity. People, uh, mortgage-backed securities, they trade these things. This is like a stock. And so what happens is that the person that's suing you isn't actually what's called the owner and holder of the note on the date of commencement. And what we find on this is that a lot of times you have what's called a servicer suing which is okay as so long as they have what's called a pooling and servicing agreement that gives them power. It could be an attorney in fact on what's called a power of attorney. There's all these rules, and if the wrong party's suing you, you could get the case dismissed. We've litigated this. There's new laws about standing. It used to be something that you waive it if you don't plead it, but it doesn't matter. You don't need to know that. The real key is you can get a case thrown out if you're a borrower or if you're a mortgage or if the wrong company's suing you. And if you're getting sued, you got to make sure. you got to say, is this the right company? And you got to look into this. We've... Litigated statute of limitations. What happens is every mortgage payment that's missed, every mortgage payment that's missed, there's a six-year statute of limitations. That's how long they can sue you for. But each mortgage payment restarts or reaccrues the statute of limitations. It's, so what do they do? They don't want to sue you just for the missed mortgage payment, Lauren. They want to pay, sue you for all the money in the future that you owe. And that's called an acceleration. And once they accelerate, if the case is thrown out, and six years go by, you can get the whole loan thrown out. You could have a, a, a house that has no loan whatsoever on it. That's phenomenal. Unless they do something called a deacceleration. And we litigate whether the deacceleration was noticed properly, intended properly, and that's a major issue. We've litigated what's called repapal issues. Real, the repapal is real property laws. The repapal is real property laws. 
1303, 1304, 1305, 1306. These laws say there's a notice that you have to give 90 days before. There's a notice that has to be attached to the summons complaint. There's a notice that's got to go to the Department of Financial Services. Notices, notices, notices. And these notices have to have the right font size and the right page color. And if they don't do these notices, the case can be thrown out. We've litigated who is putting in evidentiary issues. We've litigated this. What What does that mean? Well, didn't I tell you before understanding that they transfer the loan left and they transfer the loan right? Because why? It's got value. It's like a security. It's like a stock. And they sell these things all over the place. And I told you before that there's this thing called a servicer. What is a servicer? A servicer is who manages the property for the investor. What does that mean? So you might have like a teachers union that has these mortgages. They might've bought it. They're the investor, but they don't know how to manage mortgage loans. So they hire a company, a servicer, like a property manager. Well, here's the problem. If one party did something, can the other party swear to what they did? What does that mean? If Lauren is the investor and I am the servicer and I need to swear that under penalty of perjury to prove my case, I'm, I'm saying, hey, borrower, you didn't do this right. I'm saying, hey, borrower, you didn't do this right. I'm suing you. I have to be able to say, for example, under the note, I gave you a notice that you're in default. Well, what happens if the investor or a prior investor or a prior servicer gave that notice? Can the current servicer swear to it? And the answer is that there's this thing called the business record exception to hearsay. Hearsay means an out-of-court statement offered for the truth of the matter asserted. You don't need to know that. Hearsay isn't what we all think on TV. It means when someone says something to someone else and we're trying to prove something based on the fact they said it. Well, guess what? A company's business record that's made in the regular routine and habitual course of their business is acceptable. It's good evidence. It's good evidence. But I can't testify what another company did. This is the number one reason why I find foreclosures are thrown out. Because one company is trying to say, I have business records that we did the ABCD that says for us to be able to foreclose. And guess what? I didn't do it. Another company did it. So how am I supposed to swear to their business records? We've litigated that. Where'd this conversation start? Usury. We've litigated that. When you have the mortgage broker's points, points, just so we're all clear, I mean, 1% of whatever the loan value is. When you have the mortgage broker's points, you have the origination fees, you have all these fees, and you have the interest rate, you come buy them all up, and they're over the maximum usury rate, the loan is a nullity. We've litigated that. There's something called TILA, Truth in Lending Act. You were referencing before, you were referencing before having equity. Do you remember when you said that? Having equity. And I said to you, how do you know how much equity you have? You know your fair market value, but you don't know. 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 You don't, you don't know how much you owe because there's the base amount you owe. There's the attorney's fees. There's the interest rate. There's the default payments. Well, under TILA, it says that you're allowed to get what's called a payoff statement. There's a law about a payoff statement. A payoff statement means how much you owe today. We've litigated when lenders don't give the payoff statement. You turn to RESPA. They have laws about that loss mitigation. I mentioned foreclosure settlement conferences. There's laws in RESPA about how many months you have to be in default before they can even start the lawsuit. Speaking of starting a lawsuit, let's talk jurisdiction. We've litigated whether they served you properly on CPLR 308. Did they do nail and mail? Did they leave it at your door? Did they give it to someone of suitable agents? Had they serve you? We've litigated damages calculations. When the referee calculates the damages and says you owe this amount, but they have hogwash in there. They make stuff up. We've litigated contractual breaches. In a contract, it says how you have to notice someone. It says how many months you have to miss. It says how you tell them they're in default. We've litigated champerty. Champerty means you just bought the loan or you just invested in a loan for the purpose of lawsuit, which is not okay. 
We've litigated equitable mortgages. Where your lien priority is a problem, where there's a lien issue, who is the right person to be suing you? We've litigated this. Bonafide lender and bonafide purchasers for value. I said that equitable mortgage thing wrong. I was thinking equitable subrogation, but equitable mortgage means that they didn't actually record it properly. And in fairness, we need to make sure it's recorded. We've litigated ancient mortgages. We can't find the lender. We paid the lender. How do we get rid of this on the chain of title? Speaking of getting rid of it, we've litigated quiet title issues. I have more and more and more to the list and Lauren's rolling her eyes at me because this is just too much stuff. But the point is that 10%, 10% of Long Island people are in default, Lauren. And what they need to know is that foreclosure isn't this thing where we just say, I want a modification. I want a short sale. I want a consent foreclosure. I want a deed in lieu. It's not this thing where you just say, hey, I have this forbearance. It's complicated stuff. And you need to know what you're talking about, whether you're the lender or the borrower right now, because I got news for you. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Why is it going to get worse before it gets better? As a whole deal, it's turning into the autumn season, the fall season. In the fall season, what happens in the fall season? We have fall flu. You can have more businesses shutting down. You can have more businesses with problems. When there's more people with problems, more businesses shutting down, what do you have? Less people making money. When you have less people making money, when you have less people making money, you have more people missing their mortgage payments. It's just the perfect storm, Lauren. And I have to tell you, this is a problem that we need to deal with as a society. And whoever the next president is, Lauren, they're going to get blamed for a recession, whether it's Trump or it's Biden. Because when you push off mortgage payments and you just keep pushing them off, it's eventually going to be a problem that's going to bite us. So what do I suggest to everyone? What do I suggest today? I suggest, first of all, if you're a lender, you better have calendared when these moratoriums are over and let's start working. Let's get the paperwork together. It's coming up. If you're a borrower, don't ignore legal papers. Respond address, try and settle. A settlement's probably better for everyone. I think these are very important times and very important things. And you know what's interesting, Lauren? What? These are the types of things that maybe on a macro level of society, we need to address as a society. We found recently, I'm going to give ourselves a little compliment right now, that when you address something as a macro society, sometimes it's more important than the lawsuit. Maybe what we should do is Mitch McConnell Nancy Pelosi, maybe we should have something that bails out lenders and borrowers from this. And we need to have public relations to do that. We talked about a few weeks ago, this Upper West Side homeless update. You remember I was talking about that? Yes. Um, I think in the end of August, the Upper West Side had a, a couple of hotels that were ho- housing homeless uh, residents and they were causing a lot of crime and, and it was just a very big problem with Upper West Side and there was a lot of PR on this. They were all over the Post, the Times. We did a whole episode on it and everybody got the word out. De Blasio just announced that he's planning to transfer 300 homeless residents out of the biggest hotel that we were talking what about. What is the point though? It wasn't about a lawsuit. It wasn't about the individual lawsuit. It was about a plethora of a weight, a campaign against elected officials. And telling them that we as a society need a solution. The same rule applies with the foreclosure crisis coming on now. I litigate this stuff. You tell a lawyer, hey, you can have a lawsuit. I'll say yes. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, for my neighbors, for my neighbors' neighbors, we all need to stop pushing the buck and we need de Blasio. We need Cuomo. We need our state senators. We need Pelosi. 
and we need McConnell. We need Trump. We need a solution because the foreclosure tsunami is coming. We'll be right back after the commercial. We're going to go right into the school situation. Kids are back. So is the Leapcast. This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lieb. Find us on social media at Listen to Lieb or visit listentoleap.com. 